It's good to see you guys this morning. We have been for the last uh, five weeks, six weeks or something, been going through a series on prayer. And uh, this morning, Pastor Joshua is going to preach on uh, a different aspect of prayer. We've been talking about different aspects of prayer, about petition, about adoration, about intercession. We talked last week about unanswered prayer. Uh, So lots of different facets and types uh, of prayer. This morning, we want to look at uh, something uh, that it's an area that I didn't really grow up with myself. I always had this view of prayer, I don't know about you guys, but that prayer is filling the air with words. Now, that's easy for some of you to do for a really long time. I don't know, my my neck just went like that. That's really easy for some people to do. Like, man, I don't have any problem thinking about even hours of prayer with the Lord because the words just keep coming. For some of us, that's not true. It's like, I don't even know what to say anymore. Like, sometimes I, I don't know, I don't have any idea uh, how to use words to continue to talk to God. Um, and so we're going to talk this morning about a type of prayer that doesn't always require words. Uh, it's contemplative prayer. And I've asked Paul here to, to uh, share a little bit because this guy does a really good job at this type of prayer. And a lot of times it involves just being with him, just being with the Lord. And I think for me, I've, to me, I always thought, this doesn't really count, does it? Does that not count? And I started thinking of, uh, of like how many times you can be with your spouse or with a good friend. And you're having a conversation, and the conversation completely stops. But nobody gets weird. Nobody thinks, oh, no, oh, no. Like, I've got to, or some do, actually. <laughs> i got to fill this silence. But that's not, the, that's not what you have to do. And innately, we know that, don't we? Like, it's okay just to be with a person. And I think it's the same with God. And Paul does a really great job with this, particularly in nature. So, Paul, you're an avid hiker. You like to hike. Uh, you like to go into the mountains and kind of get lost. I mean, not completely lost. Hopefully, not too bad. Not usually. Not usually. But you were talking about there's, there's, there's a different, there's two kinds of hiking. Can you talk about that? So, uh, so, so there's, yeah, there's, well, there's a lot of different kinds of hiking. But one popular way of hiking that you probably have heard of is called through hiking. And that's where you are, often people are on a long trail, like the Pacific Crest Trail. There's a lot of people who do that. But the goal of that kind of hiking is to get from here to there. And you're, you're always trying, you're thinking about how many miles you can cover, and you're thinking about accomplishing enough for the day so that your next day is not, you know, too many miles. And so it's, it's, it, there's nothing wrong with that kind of hiking, but it's a certain kind of, of hiking. It's very driven, get there kind of a, kind of a thing. Uh, what I love to do is not so much that kind of hiking, although sometimes you're trying to outrun a storm or something, you've really got to get somewhere, but is going out to the woods with, with plenty of time and being out there and doing what, uh, if I can quote, John Muir, the naturalist, suggested, instead of going to the wilderness to hike, which sounds kind of like a march, like a duty, go to the wilderness to saunter. And his, he liked that word saunter. We should be mountain saunterers instead of mountain climbers or hikers. And that word saunter, it, it, the etymology kind of refers back to a holy journey or the saints heading to the, to the holy land, suggesting that we go out there and we, when you go out into nature, sometimes with my kids or with my friends or with myself, we will be on a trail heading to a certain point, but we'll stop and we'll be quiet for a moment just on a random piece of trail 
and we'll stop and we'll start paying attention. We'll quiet ourselves first. And then you start noticing the sounds of nature around you. And then you, you start noticing uh, with your ears, with your eyes, with your sense of smell, all your senses engage. And it's amazing what you start seeing that you never would have seen if you're just heading to your destination. Wildflowers will pop up at your feet that you never would have seen. Tiny orchids or, or edible mushrooms, these things that you're never even going to be aware of unless you stop and quiet yourself down and begin to notice. So, so I love that analogy. Now, how does that, how does that tie in with prayer itself? Like, how, how, do, how have you experienced that as a form of prayer? So I was similar to you. Growing up, felt like prayer had, had to be accomplishing something. And so it was all petitionary prayer, intercessory prayer, which are both beautiful and vital to our lives. But it was all that. And I didn't so much experience that lingering, sauntering kind of prayer. So in recent years, I've been learning how to just quiet my heart, my own heart, even in my living room, not even in the woods, but just to sit alone and to allow silence to kind of gather and begin to, I'm not there to accomplish anything or to check off a box or to get a nugget or a takeaway. I'm just there to listen and see what the Holy Spirit will bring up in me. Yeah, I was, I was thinking of the example, you know, Doug Easterday in his teaching in Restoration talks about this idea of going and riding a motorcycle with Jesus because Doug loves to ride his motorcycle and how this was sort of an epiphany for him. Like, wait, that counts? Like, I can just be with Jesus on my motorcycle? And I think this kind of thing is a really good example um, of just being with him. And that, that does involve usually quieting our hearts and noticing what he's doing in us and then just being with him. You, you've incorporated a sort of a thing called a breath prayer, which is what a lot of Christians for many, many centuries have practiced. A very simple prayer that you just kind of repeat when you get into that space. And what is that for you? Yeah, we talked about this at home group this week, actually. But it's the, so a breath prayer, yeah, just a simple phrase that you can return to. And often if I'm by myself or I'm, I'm on a walk or something and my mind is anxious or busy and I can't quiet it down, I will notice that I'm spinning off, not into silence, but I'm spinning off into stress or worry or problem solving. And so I'll return to a simple prayer. And for me, that simple line has been, here I am. And, and here I am means it's me telling God, I'm here, I'm available to you, I'm listening to you. But it's also telling my heart to become grounded and centered. Notice where you are, be here, don't be over there problem solving or, or figuring things out. Be present. And so I will, I will keep that as a way to note center back, note come back when my mind wanders off. You're saying that was even sort of taken from Samuel's prayer for the Lord of here am I, speak yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's so, Here I am, your servant is listening. So yeah. we're distilling that down to it, yeah. Right, you didn't get a bad message for anybody, did you, in that uh, No, well, okay. we'll talk later. Sorry. <laughs> so thank you, Paul. Isn't that a cool thing? Uh, great example of contemplative prayer, and I'm gonna ask Pastor Joshua to come up. You can fill the, fill the space with applause for Pastor Joshua and for Paul. <laughs> Man, I really love Paul Nunn. Looks and brains. It's the whole package. I know a lot of you guys just thought he was a beautiful musician, and that's because you guys are shallow, but I knew he had depth. Should I start repenting now? 
I'm, I'm super excited about talking about contemplative prayer, um, you know, for the same thing that, that Jason alluded to, as you guys know, and I'm pretty self-effacing and, and uh, pretty straightforward with you. I'm an extroverted extrovert. I mean, truly. And that's just how God wired me. That's my temperament. And um, statistically, um, based on extroverts to introverts, just, you know, per, per the way it's laid out, you know, seven out of the 12 disciples were more than likely introverts if statistics were the same then as they are now, and I think they were. So a lot of you here, more of you than are extroverts, already identify with being more quick to run out of words and more quick to be, you know, well, let me say what I think about that. And, um, and, and so you are maybe naturally gifted towards this, but most of us have found ourselves to be in many ways, informed by a lot of the extroverts in life. And so, you know, in, at one point, I think there was a book that was, well, I know there was a book that was written, I can't remember the name of it, but they were, I think it was called uh, Silence, wasn't it? Or, um, but it, it, was, it was essentially that, that, that uh, evangelicalism has been sort of overrepresented by extroverts and, um, and that, that, that we need to get back to embracing some of the other parts <laughs> of the kingdom, and uh, it was written by an introvert, so I didn't believe any of it, but <laughs> just kidding. But I was excited to, um, to talk about this because this has been a space for me that has been hard fought, but has been such an extraordinary source of health and life and vibrancy and something that my own spirit and soul was craving, but that I didn't naturally gravitate, gravitate towards because I love to be with people all the time. I, that's my natural bent. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just that you get to a certain point where I can only receive directly from God some of those, those things that my heart yearns for. And, and although I'm designed to be with you, I'm also designed to be with him. And so this is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy also to be preaching at this point in my life about this because even a few years back, I don't think I would have any experience to share with you. I would have more theory. Um, but at this point, I can share from both, both these principles that we see as well as an experience of having found my soul, my spirit, my mind, my heart, my emotions, my whole self satisfied in a way through contemplative prayer that I, I had no idea that there was treasure everywhere. I had no idea I was missing out on this. And so, so I'm, I'm glad to and honored to get to share about this. Um, and I think also too, you know, as per the usual, the Lord's often through me, your humble, tire man preacher, that if God can do it with me, he can do it with anyone. Because it's a pretty low bar. And um, it's just true. And I'm excited to be like that, right? Take the weak things to show the glory of God. So therefore, I will rejoice in my weaknesses. Amen? So if you feel like, golly, I don't know about this contemplative stuff. I don't know about this. If you're some of this, you know, the, the, the five out of the 12 that um, is an extrovert, don't worry. We can get there, guys. It's exciting. There's treasure everywhere. But as we step into this, what is contemplative prayer? What, is it, what does it look like? Is it okay? Is it safe? Um, is, it, is it wise? Is it, uh, is it a fad? Um, let, me, let me paint a picture of the first time that I experienced a time of contemplative prayer. I, wouldn't, I didn't know it at the time what it was, um, but, it, but it marked my life, and, and now I'm getting to go back and be like, ah, you were right there, Lord. You were right in that moment. I remember standing at the coast in Australia at the age of 16, watching the waves battering the foot of the rock cliffs overlooking the ocean. 
The edifice on which I stood dropped hundreds of feet down and it ran for miles to my left and to my right as far as my eye could see. It felt like I was perched quite literally on the edge of the earth because you could look out and all there was was ocean. And as far as you could see on both sides, you're standing on this rock face on the edge of Australia and you can't see anything but ocean and it's just dropping down. It's just, it was an extraordinary feeling. The sound of the violent breakers below, they're roaring their battle cry and hammering the face of the rock beneath my feet. The wild white-capped waves hitting the foot of the cliff, forced upward from the point of impact and erupting above my head in explosions of watery cloud and mist, now emptied of their power and momentum, they would fall back to the sea. So if you can just picture that, just and then down again. And it was hitting so hard that it was coming up over 100 feet and then rising above our heads as we're standing here on this cliff. And you could feel it. You could feel that. But yet at the same time, the rocks weren't moving. And suddenly the words of God spoken to Job came into my mind. I remembered that scripture where God said to Job, I, can, I have said to the sea, you can come this far, but no farther. This is where your proud waves will stop. And in that moment, all of my anxieties, my doubts, my existential crisis started coming to mind. Their driving power, wave after wave of fear, pounding in on me, this relentless wearing down of my soul. It was causing my internal world to be overwhelmed and awash in nervous unrest. And at the same moment, I began to muse, I'm physically here on this rock, faced with the fury of this powerful ocean, and yet I am still and safe. And there's nothing but light spray that's reaching me. This limitless strength and pressure is being stopped short by one word from God. And I thought to myself, Lord, if you can hold this back, then certainly my problems, whatever they may be, are well in hand. And I, I make a covenant with you this day. From now on, when I'm overwhelmed, I will return to the ocean and remember you are my God, the God who holds back this sea, and I will not be afraid. Guys, to this day, I return to the ocean when I'm afraid or overwhelmed, and I keep my vow, and I return, and I remember, and I'm encouraged when I see the waves at their boundaries. That was the contemplative moment that I had with God. I stood in the face of creation, and as the scripture says, all of creation speaks of the glory of God. And as I stood there in that space, as I, as I just was aware, as I just was present, suddenly the Spirit of God spoke to me, brought the scripture, and said, this, this is that. This is me, this is my word. And then he spoke to my anxieties. It was interesting because as I was standing in that incredible space, suddenly too, he, he, he talked to me about my own soul. He let my own soul speak. He let it have a voice. That's what happens, or one of many things that happens, 
in a contemplative space. Contemplation is a place to glorify God and to enjoy him. You guys are familiar with the West, Westminster um, Catechism. Thank you. Total blank there. I love that man. Um, and, and that the chief end of man is to glorify him and to enjoy him always. The chief end of man is to glorify him and to enjoy him always. And contemplation is a place where we get to do that, to be aware of him and to enjoy him. We're, we're invited to, to hear, to smell. Can you smell the ocean air? Could you, could you hear those breakers hitting those cliffs? To taste the salt? To feel the, the, the moisture on your fingers? It's a place where we can perceive and experience and meditate on all that which God has said, it is good. It is very good. You and I are invited to be with God the Father and, the, and, and the, with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in that place of contemplative prayer. Shall we? In, uh, I'm going to use the, uh, the outline yet again from Pete Gregg because he's done such a phenomenal job laying this out. So for those of you that are reading along in the book with us, um, then, then he's broken this down, contemplation, into sort of three aspects of contemplative prayer, meditation, contemplation, and communion. And, and so I'm going to follow along with that and, and break down sort of those three parts just to give us some handles here as we step into this. But the first part is meditation. As we're preparing to go into a place of contemplative prayer, you know, Paul just mentioned that a breath prayer where he says, you know, I am, here, here I am, here I am, or I am here, here I am. This open prayer to the Lord, it's open-ended, and every time that his mind starts to wander, he's just coming back and saying, here I am, as a declaration to his own soul. It's a prayer unto the Lord, Lord, that you would speak. It's a, it's, it's a meditation. And, and, and one of the best places to start meditating, by the way, and, and, I, and actually I want to say this to, to all of us, also the lens of anything that we would receive in a time of contemplative prayer is the scripture, amen? So let's just start right there. Uh, first Psalm, it says, blessed is the one who meditates on the, on the law day and night, right? We, we, we learn from this. The scripture is the lens that we observe all things through. We don't judge the scripture through our experiences or through our philosophy. We judge our experiences and our philosophy through the lens of scripture, amen? Jesus discerned all things, even under attack of the enemy, by answering from the scripture, it is written. As you recall, Jesus went out for 40 days of contemplative prayer and fasting, and Satan appeared to him. And when Satan showed up to bring his version of truth, Jesus used the lens of scripture to answer those temptations of the enemy. So for those of you that would go, okay, is this safe? Is this wise to go into this place of contemplative, open-handed prayer? Should I do that? Uh, no, not if you don't know the scriptures. Bring the scriptures with you. Or what? No, I'm, let me say it like this. No, not without the scriptures. 
Bring the scriptures with you and learn them as you do that because God will never contradict his own words. So in your contemplative prayer, the spirit of God will bring to mind just in the same way you'll notice that I'm standing there in front of the breakers and, and, the, and the word of God comes and says, I have said to the ocean, thus far will your proud waves come and no more. And he spoke to me through the word in the same way. So when you're in this place, let the scriptures be your guide. Let them teach you and, and help you discern this situation. The spirit of God is the one who teaches us all things and he teaches us all things through the scriptures and he will not contradict himself. Amen? So permission granted. Can you receive that? Does that sound safe? All right. Second uh, Timothy 3.16 says, I think we've got it, I want to bring that up. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Ah, that feels good. That feels good. So as we go in, then we begin to take that time of meditation, of simply focusing then on whatever is in front of us actually in that moment. Perhaps you've gone in and you're, at this point, you're starting with a scripture. That's a beautiful way to start. Perhaps I just take a scripture. I'm having a scripture meditation. But the beautiful thing about contemplative prayer is that it's also an invitation to observe all of creation, which also speaks of the glory of God. And so let me just show you those two scriptures. Romans uh, chapter 1, 20 um, says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what he has made. And by the way, guys, look around, look around. Behold, the crown of creation. Did you catch that? the crown of creation. I was so enjoying after Rachel led us in communion, and I'm like, golly, you just gotta love that young woman, right? Like, we've known her since she was a little squirt, and now look at her, she's a grown squirt. We're so proud. <laughs> no, she's a powerful woman of God, a wonderful leader, and we love her. And as she was leading us, I was just rejoicing, just rejoicing, like, boy, we're running a long race together. And then I was rejoicing in the meditation on the Lord being with us, which is right on point. I'm like, high five. And... Um, and then as we took the elements, and then there's just all these noises, and then I just start hearing all these cups hitting the floor as the kids are dropping their cups, and you know, there's just all the, the beautiful noise of the crown of creation. I was thinking, golly, Lord, thank you so much that there's all these young children along with the, 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 the wizened saints. I got to get back some equity after last week. In other words, we're a multi-generational church and here are the sounds of life and vibrancy of the crown of creation of, of one generation running with another that we together are experiencing the glory of God. And, and that was happening as I was enjoying a contemplative moment with cups hitting the ground. God was speaking to me through creation, dropping their little plastic cups. It's, it's, there's treasure everywhere. Psalm 19, one through two says, the heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech and night to night reveals knowledge. Whew. 
So in other words, it is legal to allow the creation to speak of her creator. And that's a part of that contemplative prayer. And by the way, even even those things that have been co-created can speak of the glory of God. How often have we listened to a song that God didn't write by someone whom he created? And, And it moves us and we say, my God, my God, you are magnificent. How many of you guys have ever listened to one song and you're so inspired that in the middle of that song, you start writing a different song or a poem or a story? Anybody here? You know what I'm talking about? It's like you're so caught up in the creativity and the beauty of this moment, it causes you to start giving glory in a different way. So, it's legal. It's legal, it's scriptural, it's an invitation. So, let's just talk real quick about the invitation then. We take, we begin to meditate, we begin to fix our minds on a picture or an object or a phrase from the Bible, and we begin to reflect on it, and we just examine it from different angles. And as our mind begins to wander, which by the way, how many of you guys know your mind will wander? You just keep bringing your focus back to it. Spoiler alert, meditation will be hard at first, but it does become easier with practice. Your mind actually appreciates this as you begin to teach your mind. It's, in fact, David said this, you know, I wean, I, I do not trouble myself with thoughts that are too great for me. I wean my soul like a mother with her child. There's a, there's a, a lovely directing of our emotional self to go, hey, guess what? It's okay. It's okay. And as we learn to quiet ourselves and enter into a contemplative silence, we position ourselves to hear when another voice begins to speak. Isn't that what we're looking for, really, is to become aware of the multifaceted communication from the Lord. By the way, guys, it's not always a spoken voice. I have yet to hear the spoken voice of God, but I have received the communication of my Father and my hero and Savior, Jesus Christ, and God, Holy Spirit, many, many times through many, many ways. And so have you, have you not? So let me, um, I want to I read to you an excerpt here from Pete Gregg's book, so I'm just going to jump right in. T.S. Eliot says... Prayer is more than an order of words, the conscious occupation of the praying mind or the sound of the voice praying. There's a Selah right there like, oh, thank goodness. Followers of Jesus have every reason to expect and desire encounters with God in prayer that lie beyond the realm of language and logic. We're commanded to love God with all of our hearts, all of our souls, and all of our minds. But most of us only use half of our minds. All right, get your listening ears on, kids. This part was awesome for me. I'm gonna say that again. We're commanded to love God with all of our hearts, all of our souls, and all of our minds, but most of us only use half of our minds, the left hemisphere of the cerebral cortex, to be precise. 
when we approach God in prayer. This is the area of the brain responsible for words and rational processing. The apostolic exhortation to pray continually is impossible unless we engage both halves of our brains to pray consciously using words, left side, but also subconsciously by practicing God's presence when we're distracted or thinking about other things, which is the right side. Isn't this fascinating? I'm aware that this could all sound a bit mystical and unattainable. Anyone? No? You don't have to admit it. Thanks, man. That's my, that's my nephew right there. I love that guy. Captain Honesty, they call him. And he is single. So, he's, see that? He's a thinker. He loves Jesus. Anyway, let's continue. I'm aware that this could all sound a bit mystical and unattainable, but I believe quite passionately that contemplative prayer is for everyone. In fact, I believe that most ordinary Christians already practice contemplation and experience God's presence way more than they realize. Perhaps you've known moments in corporate worship when the lyrics of a song seemed to recede and time stood still. How many of you experienced some of that today? Yeah, come on. You found yourself in Charles Wesley's lovely phrase, lost in wonder, love, and praise. Or maybe you've sometimes been sitting alone quietly in prayer or been walking outside and God's peace has gently enveloped you in a way that made words seem unnecessary and even inappropriate. Come on, how many, how many can identify with that? Perhaps you've been filled with the Holy Spirit and received the gift of tongues and this has introduced you to the reality of a spirituality that is non-verbal, non-literal, and experiential. If we'll just start out with the things we already know and do, we are all able to grow and go deeper in contemplative prayer quite naturally and enjoyably. And we don't have to try to jump to the top of the staircase in one go. Isn't that good? So, so I love this. We're not invited to shut off our brain in contemplative prayer. We're actually rather learning how to pay attention with our whole brain. How many of you have ever bucked up against sort of this idea of like, honestly, like godless Eastern meditation where you're trying to empty your mind? Well, Christ-following meditation is that we actually focus on Christ and we turn on and receive and engage with our full mind. It's very different. Is that freeing for anybody in this room? That's a big deal for me. I don't know, but maybe it was just me and, me and Nikita. All right, girl. We got this point together. Thank you, Jesus. We, Nikita and I have turned our full brains on people. Get ready. Get ready. All right, so, so, so how many of you, though, I want you to picture this. How many of you can start to see this? It's like, okay, there's this logical part of my brain that wants to engage with God really only in a very linear way. And then, so that necessitates the petition, the intercession, the conversation. That's all very, very good, but we're doing it through a purely conversational, word-based way where I'm mostly using speech patterns and the understanding of that kind of communication with God. And I'm turning off the smell, the feel, the, 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 the hearing of maybe different ways that he might speak to me. God spoke to me through the ocean hitting against the face of a rock 
How many of you guys know the scripture says that the voice of God is as many waters? I'm not the first psalmist to stand next to the ocean and say, God, your voice is like many waters. As deep cries out to deep. That's how my soul's crying out for you. That's not, that's not, that's not just words, is it? Amen. This is what we're invited into in contemplation. So as we step into contemplation, we move from, uh, so we started with meditation, which is essentially um, me and God, right? It's me turning to him and I'm starting to meditate on him, on his word, on his creation, Okay. Then we step into then something that would be more centered than in contemplation using the outline that Pete's given us, which is then an idea of God and me. So what does that mean? Well, my thoughts are now moving from me and God, me, me as sort of the here I am, I'm aware of me, Lord, which nothing wrong with that, right? But then I'm starting to go, oh, here you are. It's incredible to realize God is thinking about me. Like, just say that. God is thinking about me. Did you know that? It's unbelievable. I mean, that's a crazy thing that God, he wants to be with us. In fact, Psalms says, how many are your thoughts towards me? If I were to count them, they are more than the sand of the seashore. This is how much God is thinking about you. So now you're shifting from what am, what am I thinking about to God, what are you thinking about? And he's going, you. <laughs> going to need more than both sides of your brain to take that in. Now we got to get the spirit and the soul and the heart and the whole, the whole you, right? And even then, whoo, whoo. So I'm allowing my mind to move from just the logical side to allow for the experiential side, the non-linear side. And I begin to move from saying prayers to move from something that I'm doing into something that I'm simply being. Now I'm suddenly just saying, Lord, I am, I am with you. And even more extraordinary, even more mind-blowing is that you are with me. You are with me. Jesus' name is Emmanuel, God with us. This is greater than words. I don't have to have words in that moment. I can breathe and say, God, my heart cries out to you. The beat of my heart reverberates, yes, 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 because you said live, live, live. In Matthew 6, 7, and 8, it's, it's, so, it's such an encouragement to hear Jesus teaching us how to pray, and he says, when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who's unseen, and then your father who, who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans. And I'm like, oh, that's a huge, thank you, Lord. Like, again, extrovert. That's my instinct. I mean, I'll, I'll tell him what I think, and then I'll tell him what I think about what I just thought. I can keep going. He's like, you don't have to do that. Oh, thank you, Lord. For they will not, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. You don't have to do that, he says. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. What an incredible invitation to go in knowing he already knows what I need. In fact, he knows some things that I need that I don't even know to ask yet. And so contemplative prayer allows me to become aware of God 
with me. And I can say, oh, Lord, here's as much as I know. I just want to be with you. And if there's anything you want to tell me that I don't know, I'm just here anyway. I want to begin to be present. I I love this. He wants to be present with me. And silence is lovely because we're together and it transcends mere words. There's a quote from, from this book. If petition is prayer at its simplest and intercession prayer at its most powerful, then contemplation is prayer at its deepest and most personally transformational. In Acts 4, verse 13, they said this about the disciples. It says, And when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. That's what happens to us in the place of contemplative prayer. We become known for our confidence for our peace for people who have been with Jesus it comes in that place of silence it comes in that place of of surrender of trust of safety it comes in the place of communion and that and that's the final piece here is simply god first it's me and god and then it's god and me and then it's oh, I think about Job. I had heard about you, but now I have seen you. I think about Moses, who was a man who talked with God face to face, and he was already doing that. And then he says to him, but God, before we go further, I've seen your miracles. I've walked with you. I've seen all of these things, but God, please, show me your glory. And God then entrusts him to see, not the fullness of him because he couldn't see that and live. Like, it's ever expanding, isn't it? Someday we'll see him fully as he is. But in the meantime, we see, says, that Moses saw his goodness. His goodness is his glory and his glory is his goodness. And that comes in that place of contemplation where we're awakened and open and listening and we begin to understand and receive and perceive his goodness. I'm invited to be with the one who doesn't need anything from me. How many of you guys, I want you to just think about this. Just close your eyes for a minute. I want to say that again. I am invited to be with the one who doesn't need anything from me. Think about the, the, the needs of this earth. Think about the demands that are put upon us and in, and in this place of contemplative prayer, I'm in a place where I'm with one who needs nothing from me. And yet, he really, really, really likes me. And he really does choose me. And I'm invited to be loved by him and to love him. This happens in that space of contemplative prayer to talk, to sit, and to not talk. To cry and mourn, and then to laugh and receive comfort, to be small and safe, to be with God, and to be with myself as I am with God. 
and your prayers become the thoughts as they rise into your mind. Maybe it's the wrenching of your heart as you think of someone that's fighting cancer right now and you don't even have to pray anything. You just turn and you say, God. Or you just say, oh. And you, and you cry those tears. I was struck this morning and all with, with Jesus and he, he said, let me see if I want to find the scripture here. Ah, in John eleven forty two, I think I have it. In John eleven forty two, Jesus has just come to where Lazarus is, and as he's preparing to raise Lazarus from the dead, he says, "I knew that you would always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here." that they may believe that you sent me. And then he says, Lazarus, come forth. Previous to this scripture, Lord, and and in another translation, it says, I know that you hear me always, but so that those who are here will know that you hear me. Then he turns and he says, Lazarus, come forth. Previous to this, he's talking with Mary. She says, Lord, if you were here, he would not have died. And it says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. After he wept, he said, Lord, I know that you always hear me. Could it be that the prayer was when he wept? I'd like to suggest that it was. And when we're in that place of contemplation, sometimes the tears fall in intercession. Sometimes the laughter. Sometimes the moaning. Sometimes the silence. Sometimes the thoughts as we simply point them to the Lord, knowing that there are no words but that as I commune with him, I simply turn my attention to that thing and I lift it to him and he takes it and he speaks back to me and we are one. We also use words in other areas of prayer, but this is a space where it's a, it's a holy space, isn't it? And I just invite, they're all holy, I'm sorry, but I invite you to embrace this and to understand this and to receive this. And also, many of you are probably recognizing like, I actually do a lot of this. I didn't know that counted as prayer. I didn't know that I was praying unceasingly. I, I didn't know that was okay. I didn't know that mattered. And I would say, well done. Let's continue in it, Amen. Well, we would love an opportunity to minister to you further. For those of you that we can bless you in your ministry, bless you in your family, bless you in your marriage, bless you in your health. So if, if, if we could please serve you in prayer today, please, uh, we're gonna have the, uh, the, uh, the elders and the prayer servant team and the home group leaders will come up here and we wanna pray for you, but I'm gonna bless you and then let's go and let's add to our repertoire of prayer, contemplative prayer, amen? I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and be gracious to you and give you favor and give you peace. Amen.